Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. Emma, I love you. You're amazing. Happy Valentine's Day. You haven't posted yet, but that's fine. Um, church, are you ready? I know you've come. You've come prepared. This title today, it actually ties into our Upside Down Kingdom in the sense that we're going to discuss things that I don't think we discuss in this fashion, uh, but it's too single to mingle, uh, and I, I put this, this, this caveat there that this is not just for single people, though it's going to be very pertaining to you if you are single. Uh, for those of us who might be in a relationship, those of us that are married, these are great reminders, they're also great, uh, you know, guidance and counsel as we, we keep, continue to go from strength to strength and what God's placed in our life. Um, so it's not just for single people, but can I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not saying that to like, everyone's in this together. Uh, this is definitely, definitely more focused to single people. But uh, married people in particularly, can I encourage you, we have a responsibility to help invest and lead in this area. And I don't mean just by trying to be the next best you know, matchmaker. We don't need that in the church. What we need is people living out, operating out of their marriage in strength, in godly fashion, to example to those who are to come and live in that blessing and that fruition what God can do, what he wants to do, what he will do through a healthy marriage. And so it's less about talking and less about doing your game show thing and more about going, you know what, if I live, if I show, if I example in Christ what a healthy marriage looks like, then it's going to inadvertently and indirectly, but directly at the same time, help those who are watching on, hoping that they too would be able to live in such a blessing. So with that in mind, we're going to get into the introduction and I've got a few really good points. Um, who here knows what a defibrillator is? If you do, it's, it's good, right? You'll find them in most places that have a lot of public, uh, you know, moving and, and, and throwing. Like if, if someone has a heart attack or if someone, if their heart stops beating, if it's beating irregularly, usually a trained first aid officer or a paramedic or a doctor will go get the defibrillator. They will charge. You've seen this in movies, right? And they're like, I don't know if you actually have to do that. But, um, and then you would, you would essentially reset the heart. Um, I say that because you, you need to know right now that this conversation is like a defibrillator, right? And I say that because you need to think about that from two points of view. One, um, if you have struggled in relationships in, you know, for a while now, then can I, can I tell you right now, your heart's probably beating irregularly, or maybe it's even stopped. And this message is designed... Not to hurt you, though it could feel like a shock. It's to reset your heart or even restart your heart so that you can live in health. And that you don't have to live in what is this perceived brokenness that you might find yourself in. It's also for those of you who are celebrating singleness as if it's something to celebrate in your life. Though in yourself you know that there's something amiss and there's something that needs to be worked upon. Something's beating out of the right rhythm, or sorry, out of rhythm. And, and you might have, and we're going to talk about this, this is going to shock you. And I've deliberately listened to many preachers speak on this. Um, and I know what they're going to say. And I've listened to it, and it's been the same, you know, same message for a few decades now. Um, and we're going to touch on some of those points, which is good, and they're not wrong. But what I've what I've figured, and I could be wrong in this, is that it hasn't seemed to work for the last few decades. So let's try go the other way and see what happens. It's your heart, not mine. 
But let's see what happens. If it hasn't worked thoroughly well, like the, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that you'll get a different outcome or expecting it. So if it hasn't worked this way, let's not be, let's not be like gurus of love right now. Let's just be basic scientists and let's see what this side feels like. Yeah? We happy with that? We good with that? All right. Because I, Google, does a defibrillator hurt? And the answer is yes. It hurts. Just in case you were wondering. Apparently, it feels like getting kicked in the chest by a mule. I'm your mule this morning, people. Just let me turn around. <laughs> Colin, always behind me, hey? All right, I'm going to lay some ground rules down. So for all of you listening today, these are the ground rules. These are the reasonings that we've always got to keep in mind. Are you ready for the ground rules? Number one, this is for all of us, not just singles. It's a complimentary ground rule. (laughs) Number two, these are my opinions. They're my thoughts and observations. They're not a miracle. You know, it's, I'm not the answer to the prayer that you've been asking for in a direct sense. This will not be a magic potion that will make you attractive or instantly eligible. I won't be able to fix you if there's something amiss. That's the Lord's work. Number three, just because you're offended or defensive during this message doesn't mean you're right. (laughs) Number four, You are not Neo from the Matrix. You do not exist outside this reality. You are not the one to prove humanity all wrong. There is no red pill or blue pill, just the truth pill, which is often even harder to swallow. (laughs) That one gives me so much bandwidth. If I cry while talking about my wife, doesn't mean I'm getting soft. Okay, let's move on. We ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right, my first point is this. The pretense defense. This one's the hardest one to swallow, honestly. I haven't really spoken about this topic much uh, over the years that I've been involved with leading people, and it's been many years now. And that's for a few, only a few reasons, but mainly I haven't cared enough about the topic in relation to others. And before you judge me, let me explain why. Humanity... Humans, we're funny creatures. Like, what I've learned over the the years of working with people is that we want to learn from others. There's things that we want to learn, and then there's things that we're happy to hear about, right? There's things we actually want to learn, and there's things we're just happy to hear about. When it comes to the matters of the heart, most people like the idea of help, even though on the inside they need it, but they still just want to hear it and not change. And so with that in mind, it's that concept of the pretense that is your defense. And I say it because I can tell you, until the cows come home, the most basic foundational things in God that you can have that will bring success in your love life. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's only as powerful as the pretenses you adhere to. Like I could yell at you, I could scream at you, I could tell you there was enough space on the boat, on the piece of wood for Jack in the Titanic movie. But at the end of the day, he didn't hop on and neither will you unless you choose to. 
That's the point, right? And so I haven't tried, I haven't cared, not because I don't love people, but I know that the heart is such a fickle thing that you'll give lip service, you'll say that's a great idea, but you'll go home and you'll justify the same pathetic actions that have kept you lost, lonely and broken because you're too afraid to change. I love change. Ask my wife. I love it so much we have to make sure that what I'm changing into isn't bad. I can't watch TV shows for too long or I become a character in the TV show. My wife has banned me from watching Suits because I began to become Pastor Harvey Specter. I, I was no longer Pastor Ben. I would lawyer you into the kingdom. I'd subpoena you. I'd do a deposition. I will make sure that you know you're wrong. I'm not allowed to watch it anymore. I miss it. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 to 10 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Do you know what I love about this? Is that that God is saying that our hearts are deceitful above all things when outside of him, when we lean into our own strength, when we become the manipulators, the human instinct that's inside us, when we live and lean into that, it is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. This is what God's saying. But he says, I examine the heart. I look at it. I examine your mind and I'm going to judge you according to your deeds. Not what you say, but what you do. Now, this is this, the terrifying thing is, is that if that's the case, I'm about to preach a message that God will examine my heart upon and he'll say, Ben, are you doing what you've been preaching? Which is great. We're all in this together. A pretense is an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. Hence why my first point is that a lot of people live their life in the pretense defense where we defend our actions through false narratives we defense we defend our actions through false identities but we believe it we allow it to appear true it's not true but we allow it to appear true and so with that in mind let's just get past the two single to mingle concept that is the title of this message and this is really for singles right now Married people, people are dating, this might apply to you, it might be a good reminder, but this is for single people. Too single to mingle. We're going to start with the boys, who should be men. Don't celebrate your singleness to deal with your situation. Too many times I see young men celebrate that they're single because they haven't worked on themselves enough to change their situation. They haven't been brave enough to ask the question. And therefore, we celebrate the singleness. And I'm not talking about those who are in respite or healing right now. I'm talking about those guys that you're in a healthy situation. You're in the right age bracket, but you're still single and you celebrate it because it allows you to do what you want without accountability. You need to know this, young men. Singularity is the exception, not the true godly expectation. Yes, I know there's some of us that will remain single throughout our life or be in a relationship and then become single for whatever reason. I get that. But they are the exceptions. The expectation from the moment we were created was to be in a marriage. Therefore, your singularity is not normality. Therefore, you shouldn't celebrate that. 
you're okay to realize that everything inside of you is designed to be found in the covenant of marriage. It is ordained by God, a design from the beginning of time. Boys, I say that because men would have learned this. You should not, or you should, sorry, filter your physical expectations of who you would be with through your own mirror. Too many times I talk to young men and they tell me what they expect in a woman and it's oh so physical. And at the same time I'm looking at them, I'm like, I hope they don't expect the same. (laughs) Don't be so fickle to think that something physical is permanent. Now I have been blessed with a beautiful wife. Henry, this is between me and Emma, stop looking. Close your eyes. Come on, bro. Show some respect. That has only gotten better with age. Like a fine wine. I, on the other hand, could get finer. Boys, young men, don't give mixed signals, then play innocent. You know what the saddest thing about that is? Everyone sees it and just has enough grace to pretend that you're telling the truth. But we all know what you're doing. We've all been around the block a few times. We didn't come down the last rain shower. We know. More often than not, when someone tells me, I'm sure why they, they thought that. And then I'm like, can I see your text messages? And they're like, uh, you know, well, <laughs> um, it's just, you know, it's private. And... Uh, why were you sending poetries? Good night prayer psalms. What the heck? Like, <laughs> Bro, if you sent me those texts, I thought we're dating. Like, <laughs> This is my last one for the men. Indecisiveness is not maturity or wisdom. It's just indecisiveness. The fact that you're indecisive... Don't sell that as you're trying to be mature or wise or you're seeking God. And I say that because I've known a lot of young men, when they want something, God says it. When they don't want something, they wait on God. And therefore, God has nothing to do with this process. It's just your desires that you're filtering through. You need to act and choose to be older and more mature in your mindset than that. You can be indecisive about what you eat and what you choose to eat. I'm one of those people, if I go to a food court, it's the worst thing for me. It's too many options. I feel like Chinese food, but the Vietnamese is great. Mexicans are awesome, but then tomorrow it's not so awesome. And then I just, I'm just like, someone make a decision for me, right? But you can't be like that when it's with people's hearts. People's heart is not a fast food outlet. It's not something that you can be trivial with. You are to be as careful as God is with your heart. Women, ladies, there's less points for you, but just as important. The first date does not equal marriage. It might not even equal a second date. But it's still a first date. Celebrate that. Singleness does not equal brokenness. 
Just because you're still looking and waiting and searching doesn't mean you're broken. But if you, if you behave as if you are broken or that you are the victim or there's something wrong, you will perpetuate and become the prophet of doom in your own life. This is a really important one and I want, I want every female that is single right now to hear this. A male's social position or call to leadership does not equal a real man. I've seen too many charismatic men or boys play around with hearts of young women because they thought they were a leader. It doesn't equal real man. They might be on a journey like all of us, but it doesn't equal a real man. Can I encourage you? Don't shut off what God is saying to you about who he's called you to be with because that particular person doesn't hold. I mean, in the church, this is a big thing, right? Because they don't hold a position or they don't have a title or they don't operate in this great and magnificent call of leadership. The reason I say that is because in the same vein, when I talk about physicality, when it comes to men, women, a social position or the call of leadership can change within a moment. We see that right now. We've seen great men of God that we thought were impervious to fault fall so quickly in time. And then we see men that we never celebrate. When we get to heaven, the Bible says they're going to be the generals that we never knew about. The guys stacking chairs day in, day out. The ones making sure that everyone's prayed over even though they didn't let you know. Too single to mingle. I'm going to pause here. A lot of you wouldn't know, or maybe you do know. I thought it'd be good to give you a bit of an insight into my love story. I mean, our love story. Um. <laughs> Just really quick. Emma and I met at church. That's a good place to meet. Don't underestimate that. It's a beautiful place to meet. Uh, as much as Emma says that she first laid eyes on me, which she probably did. Uh, just more of me to find. Um, I still remember precisely the first time we talked and still being overwhelmed. We spent time in our social circles, not out of plan, just out of design. It was just how it happened. We weren't like, let's date it in a group. <laughs> we were attracted to each other. That's just, the, just how it was. I still remember we dated one another, we got engaged, we got married, we had kids, we had arguments, we had weeks that weren't good, we had moments that changed us forever, we got a lot wrong, but we got the important stuff right, and we still do. We argue about useless things, but stand firm in the most unifying things. There's some unchangeable you know, parts of our marriage. One, God will always be the center. And I don't say that from like a cliche point of view. When Emma and I, and man, we can have some bangers of arguments, hey babe? We can have some barnies. But the only thing that can truly bring reconciliation is when we decide that we're going to lay down what our opinion is, what we think is right or wrong, and we're going to submit to the commitment that we have under God and we say, what would God want right now? That's the only time we can fix the unchangeable things is when we take it to the God of the impossible. Can I tell you, sometimes our hearts are so upset, so enraged, so angry about things, so confused, so disorientated, that to try to untangle all of that in our human strength is impossible. Yet he says, I am the third strand. 
I am what and will be and is to come in your marriage. We were young, Emma and I. I can't remember. I was 19, right, when I met you? Or you were 19? You were 19, I was 20. Um, We got married young, 21, 22. We had Levi young, 22, 23. We had Alice Young. Like, like we did a lot of things. We traveled. We, we got into ministry. We didn't allow the fact that we had all these things going on in our life as excuses to not do what God's asked us to do. Now, that came as a sacrifice. We had to learn to be compatible. Not in everything. We're not compatible in everything. You would know this because I'll say something that offends Emma, like publicly, and then she will be like, like the, the soothing balm that comes to help you after I've said something that's offended you. Right? We're not compatible on that, the sense of like, hey, we agree on everything. Or we, and we've never expected it to be like that. But that's what love is. Love is not about the bringing together of the same things. It's under God, the unification of difference. We're different. Emma and I are different. You know that. She can sing really well. I can't. She's really soft and lovely and, and kind and caring and encouraging. And so am I. But I do it through the other lens of like, you can do better. <laughs> we met at church. I still remember um, our first date. This, is, this sums up Emma and I. Our first date was actually me apologizing to her. I kid you not. We had an argument. And then I organized a date to fix the argument. We weren't dating yet, but I knew the game. <laughs> I'm that type of person. When things are the worst right now, maybe you can make gold out of it. So I thought if I've offended this woman that I think is amazing, I should do a date even though we're not even dating. It was amazing, wasn't it? I was late. Fashionably. Had to apologize for that too. I had me. I had met with her parents. I was so good. Like it's like, no, nope, I go talk to your parents, even though it's just dating. I want to talk to them. I hope Peter and Claire listen to this because they sat us down at a dinner table with all her siblings that were in the house, and we had like this nice dinner. And Emma's like, no, nah, it's all casual. When I got there, it wasn't casual. It was a trap, fancy trap. But I didn't dress casual. I knew. I know the game. I know how to dance. This dance. Then. Peter and Claire, Emma's parents, told all the other siblings to leave after dinner. And they're like, it's a bit creepy. (laughs) And I'm sitting there like, what the? Peter looks at me. I love Peter. He's amazing. He is actually a phenomenal example of a godly father. Uh, something that I'm blessed to have on both sides of my life and so are my kids. He goes to me, he says, Ben, what do you think about sex? Now, I had to like ask the question again, like, what did you say? Because he could have said, how often do you think about sex? And they're two very different questions and I wasn't sure which one he had asked. And I didn't want to answer the second one in case he had asked the first one and be like, a lot. And he'd be like, what? I was like a 20-year-old, like young. Of course I think about that a lot. 
Some of our most memorable moments are the most awkward things, right? I love that moment. (laughs) Or when I asked if I could marry Emma and Peter's like, I need to go talk to to Claire, his wife. They went into the other room and watched like an episode of something. (laughs) And just let me sit there. leads to this point hey we may fall in love but we stand in commitment Emma and I chose commitment young which meant we learnt sacrifice young commitment is a non-negotiable in the world of godly relationships you need to get this concept I'm about to ask you to receive with grace but Commitment to or in a relationship will always be the cap to your intimacy capacity. Always be the cap. It'll always be your ceiling. Your commitment will always be your ceiling. The moment your intimacy is above the ceiling is just like when the ocean defies land in a tidal wave. What was meant to be beautiful in its right place, out of place, becomes so destructive. You need to understand that if you're single, then when you are hanging out with someone of the opposite sex in a romantic context, which happens, I get, even if you're not dating, your commitment must be your cap. Do not allow yourself to be intimate in areas you have the inability to sustain with your your commitment. You can't do that. It's ungodly. It's not what he says. See, like, the Bible tells us that he loves us so much that he died. His commitment was unto death and resurrection. I love the fact that the Bible says that we as his church are his bride. Do you see how it it connects into the commitment of marriage? Like, we are committed to God, not because we're committed people, but because we know he's committed to us. We rely on his commitment for love, for sustainability, He does not have a rule for himself and then a separate rule for us. He examples to us the best way to do this. And at the end of the day, your commitment in dating will be higher than that when you weren't dating, which means your intimacy can increase. And then when you're engaged, your commitment goes up a bit more, which means your intimacy can increase. And then when you're married, your commitment doesn't hit its peak It just hits a level that allows your intimacy to in its full fruition, knowing that from that point onwards, it's going to go from strength to strength as your commitment grows. See, when you get married, you haven't, you haven't, you know, fulfilled all your commitment. You've just acknowledged right now, you've, you've actually arrived to the starting block. Like every other bit of commitment before then is like your warm up, like you're skipping, stretching, you put your shoes on, right? You've waved to the crowd. Your name's been called up, marriage, starting block, boom. Now you're committed to the race. And we hope, we hope that you're feeding yourself the right things so that you can run the race of marriage well. But that means you've got to be committed to what you're putting into it. Honestly. See, in the church, we're so afraid of the word sex and talking about sex. By the time you get married, you know how to do it. Not because someone told you, because you probably watch porn. And then at the end of the day, you'll realize that's not really what sex is about. And then you're in trouble. Right? And then you realize that sex doesn't sustain your marriage. 
Movie nights don't sustain your marriage. Commitment does. Commitment to a relationship, to a marriage, is like the skeleton to your body. For your heart to beat and actually be effective, it requires something to hold it up. For you to run the race God's given you in your marriage, you need a skeleton that's going to be able to sustain the impact, the pressure, the gravity that this world was asked you to sustain in your relationships. What I love, just like a child has to be formed over time, so you must, and your skeleton of commitment. People are like, oh, marriages are falling apart even in the church. It's true, I can tell you why. It's because we leaned into this concept of love over the concept of commitment. You can get divorced now for any reason. She smelled funny. She cooked well enough. I finally met someone else I liked. If you want to be, and I, I say this, if you want to be healthy as an individual, as a single, you realize in your own self where your commitment levels are and you work at it. Because if you can't commit to a job, how can you commit to a person? Think about that. If you can't commit to a friend just in basic relationship, how can you commit your heart to someone forever? In Numbers 32, 30 verse 2, it says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord, which we do when we get married, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, which we do when we get married, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. If you can't remain committed to paying off your credit card, how can you sustain a marriage? Let alone kids. See, singleness has great opportunity to learn. So you don't want to have to, like marriage doesn't solve these problems. It magnifies it. So you got an addiction to pornography. The fact that you're married and now you're, you know, and you've grown up in the church. You're like, I can have sex on tap, which you can't. still weird. And you realize it doesn't fix your addiction because what you're addicted to is not necessarily the godly design of sex. You're addicted to the fantasy that the world says sex should be like. And one doesn't, you know, doesn't subtract to the other. And all of a sudden, you're now stuck in this brokenness. Why? Because you didn't learn commitment. And so the Bible tells us that we can have our confidence in God because Christ is committed to us. Therefore, if you're single and you're like, where's my number one coming? And we'll talk about that soon. Can I encourage you? Yes, there'll be somebody you meet that you marry. But in the meantime, you've got to understand that you've got to work on stuff in your life. And it doesn't look... It's pretty incredible, hey? Like, it doesn't look like the same path or the same stream. So you try, you remain committed to your job. You're like, how does that help me in my marriage? Oh, it will. Like you need to start realizing that God uses, he's not compartmentalized like we are. He uses all of our life spectrum to deal with different parts of our life. He's so good like that. That's why if you're addicted to, and I'm going back to this, but it's been proven, if you're addicted to pornography, you can't compartmentalize it. It begins to affect every aspect of your life. If you're addicted to drugs, it's the same thing. If you're addicted to food, it's the same thing. If you're addicted to using, abusing people for your own emotional self-worth and gain, it'll catch up to you. It's not compartmentalized. 
So we've got to be committed to the, the adventure that God's given us through life, not the impossible compatibility that your list might require. So this is it. You're not shopping when you're looking for someone. You've got to get rid of the list. And I know there's people out there be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. See, some things on the list you shouldn't have, but you should have a list. Like, like they should be godly. Come on, we know that. I get that. That's like saying, you know, answering Jesus to every question. We don't need a list of things that we know we should be doing. That's not a list. That's a principle. Yes, that person needs to be godly, but you don't need to write that down. Right? Because we write those things down so that we can continue to the list into areas that we shouldn't continue it into. See, you're not a customer in the shop of love. You are a manufacturer that is allowing God to mold and make you into a product that someone wants to be with. You're not buying something. You're creating something in yourself through the power of God, the transformational power of grace. That's why you don't need a list. The only list you should have is the parts and components you're missing in your own life so that you can go to God, receive them through trial and testing, place them into your character so that they could go through the quality test again. You've all seen it on Instagram. Like something goes past, they hit it with a hammer, work, move. Next, you're good to go. Maybe this is your hammer moment. But at the end of the day, you got to get rid of the list. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's created us. He's making us. He's molding us. He's shaping, forming, transforming. And at the end of the day, he doesn't see a list when he looks at you. So why do we ask for a list when we look at others? There's some old school people right now going, I don't know how I feel about this. My list was good. See, my wife did this and she did that and it was on my list. Yo, I had a list too. It was easy, hot. (laughs) Funny. Wanted to be around. I didn't have color of hair, eyes or anything like that. Didn't have height. Didn't have weight. None of that. Just your basic primal instincts. <laughs> this leads me to the point of the one. I'm waiting for the one. Now, I'm not going to get tied into the theology of is there one person specifically for you because I think it's irrelevant in this moment because at the end of the day, we treat the conversation like the one very weirdly in my mind. Like, I'm waiting for the one. Well, you don't know which one it is. Well, I'll know when it's the one. Will, will they still be the one once you know? Or are they none now? Because you know. Like, if we looked at this through the lens of evangelizing, imagine if you only evangelized if you knew that person was going to get saved. I'm only going to talk to you if you're going to get saved. So I'm only going to talk to you if you're the one that I'm going to marry. Because you have to be the one. Can I honestly tell you, God knows who you're going to marry. He knows who you're going to date and get it wrong with. That's okay. He understands those things. What we shouldn't do is put unrealistic mindsets that we don't even have the ability to sustain when he himself says marriage is a mystery. 
the one, the only, then tell me, what happens if the one isn't the one? Was God in it? What's the, what's the deal here? Well, you date somebody and it doesn't work out. It's like, does everything push you towards this, this fallacy that you have to wait for the finger of God to come down and shine upon that person and they're going to be like illuminated in his glory and you're going to know and then at that moment you're going to have a great testimony because hopefully one day you'll be a preacher and you get off stage, you get to preach about it. Emma dribbled on herself the first time we talked. You remember? It's like, that's who I want to be with, the dribbler. I want to have that effect on her every morning. (laughs) The one does exist. You just don't know what it is, who it is, or how it works. So why do you try to control the uncontrollable? That's just ridiculous. You don't try to control the weather. You just operate with what's going on around you. You wear a raincoat when it rains, sunglasses when the sun's glaring in your eyes while you're driving, snow gear when it's like, you adapt. The same is with dating and relationships and marriage. You've got to learn what's happening around you. You don't need to know who the one is. You just need to know what to wear, to what occasion, in what weather and situation. This is my conclusion. Change is an inevitable thing. Case in point, Emma over the last two and a half years has had Invisalign, fundamentally changed the way her teeth are shaped and formed and sat together. That is not the smile I married. We've had this discussion. Her face is not the same face. It's, it's changed the structure of her face. Like it's, it's augmentation. But it's still a reflection of who my wife is, who I fell in love with. Now I can tease her until the cows come home about the fact that she changed the face that I married and that's not fair. Or I could celebrate the fact that my wife is more confident. That her teeth don't cause her problems anymore. That things change. People change. Things head south while you're getting older. Ears get bigger, nose get longer. It's just the truth. Things get hairier. Change is inevitable. People get hurt. People get restored. People go through trials and testings. People fail. People succeed. Dreams are broken. Dreams are uh, are successful. Things change. Moments come. Moments go. What I've learned is, is that nothing about that is any different in marriage as it is in your singleness. You can learn all you need to learn and achieve in your season of being single as you can in your season of marriage. It's just a continual story of this simple thought, which is Jeremiah 17, 9, 10. The heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. The Lord searches the heart and examines the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. We're called to be committed 
We are called to be honest with ourselves. Valentine's Day should remind you that we only love because He first loved us and that we are not in control of everything we want to be in control of, that we shouldn't use God's name in vain. And when I mean that, we say God said this when He hasn't said anything at all. We shouldn't hide behind Him inappropriately. I've seen that go wrong so many times. You should be proud of the season you're in. And I say that because the moment you accept the season you're in it with God, you can begin to interact with your next season well. So here's some questions I want to leave you. Questions to ask yourself if you're married. Number one, are you a team? Or are you still single? Number two, do I celebrate the right moments? I was talking to Colin yesterday, a few days ago about the things that you've got to learn to celebrate in your marriage. One of the things I, I had a moment the other night, uh, more often than not, Emma will go to bed before me because I've got weird sleep patterns. And one of the, the things I had this realization that I think is like super cool, might be weird when I tell you, is that Emma will go to bed and then I'll come to bed a few hours later. But without a shadow of a doubt, every time I come to bed, Emma is asleep most of the time. But when I come into bed, in her sleep, her spirit knows I'm present, right? The one nature begins to activate and she will, within her sleep, move her body closer to mine so that I can hug her, like big spoon her. She's still asleep. And I sat there in that moment and I thought to myself, We don't celebrate things like this. That I have such a connection with my wife that in her sleep she would know my presence, know my protection, know my comfort and feel vulnerable enough to position herself to be embraced by me while still asleep. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that such an inheritance from God? Isn't it things like that we don't celebrate? We celebrate these magnificent achievements like I, I, we bought a house. But in my mind, it's so much easier to go buy a house than it is to find a relationship where somebody can trust you in their sleep with their very being. That's the design of marriage. That's what God wants. Why? Because isn't that a picture of our God? That He never sleeps, but while we're asleep, while we're resting, we would move ourselves closer to Him. And He would embrace us and comfort us and restore us and do a work in us, watch over us. This is the inheritance of marriage. You've got to learn to celebrate the right moments. Yes, celebrate when you buy a house. I look at my kids and I look at them. I think they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. But at the same time, I look at them. I go, there's my wife. And I celebrate that. Number three, last one for married people. Do you live the adventure to the fullest? A bit of spice is always nice, is what I say. But I'm an Indian, so. (laughs) Do you live it to the fullest? Does your wife sometimes come up to you and go, we should try this, and you just like, in your head, you're like, that sounds terrible. But instead of saying that, you're like, let's do it. Let's do that. Yes. Get the kids in the car. (laughs) And that, you know, I do this all the time in my head. I'm like, it sounds terrible. I'll go do it. And then I'm the one that's like, this is the best thing ever. Woohoo, taking photos. But if you can ask Emma, I was the hardest person to get into the car. You gotta, you've got to just go, you know what? This doesn't hurt anyone. This is a preference thing. Let's give it a go. 
Let's just spice it up. Let's see what happens. Ask questions like this if you're dating. I love this one. Questions asked while you're dating. Number one, why? (laughs) Why are you dating? It's a good question as believers. Number two, why not? I mean, like, why haven't you moved on to the next season? I say that because have you become comfortable with your intimacy and negligent with your commitment? And number three, when? When will commitment be your foundation? Enjoy that. Questions to ask yourself if you're single. Have I become conditioned by this world's expectations? God has laid out a very clear plan on what you are to achieve in your singleness and how it will benefit you within your marriage. Are you doing that or are you too focused on what Hollywood says should be the standard, their broken imagery of life in every aspect and determining not through the the will and the direction of God what you should be doing, but trying to make yourself look like something, a pretense so that someone might trip, might fall, might fumble into love with you. I don't want someone to fall into love with me. I want them to fall and I'm like, like, yeah, good looking. But at the end of the day, I want them to be like, you know what? This person is a person of character. This person's going to love me well. They're going to be committed to me and the family. They're going to make sure that they do everything they can so that God is number one in our life. Like that's what you, that's what I want. But not the broken image of like, are they going to be good looking? Are they going to, you know, make me feel good? Are they, is there always going to be chemistry? Number two, to ask you questions if you're single. Do you actually listen to God on this? <laughs> or do you pick and choose what He says and what He doesn't say? Are you the arbiter of His comments in your life when it comes to this? Because too many times, and I'll be really honest with you single people, when I talk to you, it's like God said this one day, then He said the absolute opposite the next day, and then on the third day He rose from the grave. And, you'll, and you have that, that worship moment and you're single again. And you've heard a whole bunch of people on the way. You've been careless with hearts, but you've felt His grace and forgiveness and it's all good now. And number three, what have you been doing that allows you to remain single? Since singleness in most expectations is unsustainable for a long time. And the only way you can sustain it is if you're imitating or filling those gaps that a healthy marriage would fill with something that's unhealthy and ungodly. So where do you get your intimacy from if it's not from someone in the relationship of romantic intimacy? Where where are you, where are you, you sourcing that from? Secret friends with benefits. Oh, that doesn't happen in the church. Yes, it does. Happens all the time. Emotional flings. Late night chats. Deep chats. I remember somebody close to me coming up saying, 
he just started dating and I said, what's your plan? And he's like, we're gonna date for four years. And I said, I'm gonna stop you there. Either you're Superman or you're a liar. Because you can't date for four years and not violate certain intimacy barriers that are meant for marriage unless you're Superman or Jesus. You're not Jesus. You could convince me you're Superman. But the reality is I know to sustain four years of dating at a committed level of dating, you have violated intimacy into the realms of marriage. Prove me wrong. I'm going to end on this. I know I've gone over, but it's worth it. 15 minutes. We can take this. Married people, come on, let's do better at showing our love for one another in our marriage. Not in false, you know, sort of like, hey, I want to be a matchmaker. I've talked about it. I mean, like, let's actually show it well. Let's celebrate marriage. People who are dating, date with intentionality, date with commitment, date with deadlines. <laughs> Dating's not meant to be something that goes on forever. Single people, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Young men, young women, be brave. Not every person you ask will say yes, but not everyone will say no. But, to quote Michael Scott, (laughs) you miss 100% of shots you don't take. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.